Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Woo! This week is a doozy. Wednesday alone was was like a month's worth of news all packed into a couple hours. Wednesday was crazy. It reminded me of our years with the occupant when there was just something crazy like every single day. I don't know how we survived that because Wednesday was stressful. Actually, this whole week has been stressful. Derek Chauvin was sentenced. He received 22.5 years for the murder of George Floyd. That's probably the least crazy thing that's happened this week. Oh, where to begin? Let's start with Chauvin. I just mentioned that he was sentenced. I didn't watch the sentencing. I've told y'all before, I try to avoid as much traumatic video as I possibly can. I still have never seen the video of, of George Floyd's murder. I actively, purposely, willfully avoid doing so. I didn't know exactly what was going to come up at the sentencing, so I, I avoided it. I checked the news stories. I saw a lot of commentary about his mom's defense of him. Apparently, she painted him as this glowing pillar of manhood and humanity, an amazing person, blah, blah, blah. And people were like, oh, my God, how could this mother say that shit about him? He murdered someone on camera. And I was like, yeah, I feel you. But it's also his mom. I would totally be shocked if somebody's mom got up and was like, hey, my son's a complete piece of shit and deserves the death penalty. Like, that's, that's a lot. It's his mom. Family is, you know, we talk about the Cuomo brothers all the time. And my defense of Chris is like, what you want him to do is his brother. Is what he does unethical? Probably. But it's his brother. I, like, what do you want to happen? It's Same thing with, the, with Derek Chauvin's mom. Like, you know, he's trash. She knows her son is trash. Everybody knows her son is trash. But I would be shocked if she got on the stand and disparaged him. I expect somebody's mom to, you know, do everything they can to keep their child out of prison. I've asked my mom stuff like that. Do you do those like annoying hypotheticals with your mother? It annoys the crap out of her. What if I did blah, 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 like crazy shit. And my mom is always like, yes, Demetria, you are my daughter. I will always love you. I will always defend you. Well, mommy, what if I was on drugs? Mommy, what if I went to jail? Mommy, what if I was in an abusive relationship? Mommy, what if I blah, blah, blah. I'm like a five-year-old. It's what they get for having an only child. Like we can be needy sometimes, but yeah. I expect his mother to do exactly what his mother did. I don't necessarily fault her for that. God, I'm just looking at this list of crazy. Right before I set up my laptop to start recording, I told you I always do like a last minute sweep of the news to see if there's anything pressing. They can't wait until the next episode. I saw that um, <laughs> breaking news from the New York Times, the Trump Organization, the real estate business that catapulted Donald J. Trump to tabloid fame, television riches, and ultimately the White House was charged Thursday with fraud and tax crimes in connection with what prosecutors said was a 15-year-long scheme to compensate a top executive off the books. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office has accused the executive, Alan H. Wieselberg, Mr. Trump's long-serving and trusted CFO, of avoiding taxes on $1.7 million in income. He faces charges of grand larceny, tax fraud, and more. I swear, last episode, we were talking about the disgraced former mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani, and how he got his law license pulled. Now we talk about the CFO got charges on him, too. Everything that man touches turns to shit. 
oh well, I have no sympathy for these people. You knew you were laying down with the dog and you got up with fleas, which you thought was going to happen. Oh, okay. And good news, not black, but good news nonetheless, Megan is out at The View. She announced today that she was leaving, which good riddance. I actually like The View. I couldn't watch it because of Megan. She's so freaking annoying. And the way she is so disrespectful to Whoopi and Joy especially, it's just infuriating to watch. Her and those little narcissistic temper tantrums she likes to throw because she isn't the center of attention or she doesn't feel she's being heard. So she just acts like a spoiled brat, like girl bat. I thought she might be a little better after she went out on her pregnancy leave and came back. You know, babies tend to give people a different perspective on life, make them a little more patient, calm them down a little bit. Not Megan. Not Megan. She, yeah. <laughs> I see people keep tagging me and they're like, you should replace Megan on The View. That's absolutely one of my dream jobs. I, I would love to do something like that. However, if I know what I think I know about TV, they're going to replace Megan with somebody who, at the very least, has a similar point of view as hers. A whole bunch of liberal people sitting on a panel talking to each other isn't good television. You need the conflicting point of views to represent the audience, one, but also just to make it interesting. Like a whole bunch of people saying, I agree, I agree, I agree. It's just not good TV. You think that's what you want to see. You don't. It's boring. You know, Megan has a point of view. I don't necessarily agree with it. Part of it is because Megan said it and Megan's delivery is just so awful. Somebody who thinks like Megan to go back and forth with Whoopi and Joy at their level. So I think that was another thing with Megan. She just, she just never was a good fit to me. I'm glad to see her gone. Megan was ungood. Ungood. And not so good, black dudes. On Wednesday, the craziest day ever, a story that got kind of overlooked. Biz Markey, people thought he was dead as of recording again on Thursday at 1231 on the the West Coast. Biz Markey is very much alive. He is not doing so well. I believe he had a stroke recently. He's been in hospice, which hospice is where you go to be kept comfortable before you make your transition. So he's not doing so well. But Sir is very much so alive. There's no need to cut his time short when he is still with us. So... My sympathies and prayers go out to his friends and family and fans. I'm a Bismarcky fan from way back. I remember just a friend from like elementary school. No more than nine. I remember singing it on the playground. He's a really good DJ. And he's really good friends with a really good friend of mine. I ran into Biz on a cruise once and we, we were in an elevator together. And, you know, we just had small talk. And I was like, oh, you know, I know... Um, a friend of yours you're very close to, and, and I dropped the guy's name. He won't care if I say it, DJ Alizé. And I was like, yeah, I've known him forever. He's like a dear friend. And he was like, I've known him since before he was born. His father is my dear friend. And I was like, okay, you got that. You know him better than I do. Um, but he was cool. He was DJing something on the cruise. I don't think I went to it, though. I was on the cruise with my mom. It was a good cruise until I got seasick on, like, day five of an eight-day cruise. In the next three days, I was just unhappy and miserable. That was my first and last cruise. You will never hear about me being on a cruise again. I did not enjoy most of the experience. I liked the shows. The concerts were good. The food was all right. And it was a good cruise, too. It's just the motion sickness. I'll never subject myself to that again. Nicole Hannah-Jones, we've been talking about her a lot lately. The creator of the 1619 Project, who has a Pulitzer Prize. 
who for, I was going to say unknown reasons, but for racist reasons, was denied tenure by the Board of Trustees at the University of North Carolina. They reversed course yesterday on June 30th. Nicole Hannah-Jones was scheduled to start her position on July 1st. She announced via her lawyers last week that she would not be starting without tenure because she had lost faith in the Board of Trustees after learning how they were influenced by a major donor who ain't like her, or at least who didn't like her work. But they announced yesterday, in fact, that she would be receiving her tenure, to which I double blinked. It just, it doesn't feel like something to celebrate. It feels like, remember Martin's first proposal to Gina? And he was like, yes, Gina, I will marry you. Are you happy now? Like, it just feels like, all right, fine. You've caused all this trouble. You threatened a federal lawsuit. Other professors have refused to come to our university. Students have bailed on us. We've got all this national bad press. Like, fine. After we put you through all this unnecessary bullshit, you can have it, okay? I, when I mentioned this on social media, I said, you know what? I'm going to follow Nicole Hannah-Jones' lead. If she's happy to have the job and she wants to take the job, so be it. I'm happy for her. If she tells these racist mofos to kiss her black ass and she ain't going to work for UNC because she shouldn't have had to jump through all these goddamn hoops just to get this job with tenure anyway, I'm fine with that too. I mean, I would prefer that she goes with the latter, but that's just me. But the job offer ain't to me. So if she wants to take the job, good for her. I'll applaud. But if she don't want to take the job, good for her. I'll still applaud. I'm like, ma'am, as talented as you are, as smart as you are, I'm sure UNC ain't the only university with an opening on staff who will offer you tenure. I'm sure if somebody else is like, hey, we want you, come here. This is the salary, these are the job requirements, and you have tenure. We don't want no problems, we want you. I'm sure there's another university who can make it that simple for her. But she grown, and I respect her choices. She'll do what she wanna do. I have Tabitha Brown on my list to talk about. Tabitha Brown, over the weekend, did an IG Live, or a video, let me say, because I watched the whole thing. She had some throwback video in there. She posted a video announcing that she was going to retire her husband, Chance. She talked about how Chance um, was an officer for the LAPD. He wears a bulletproof vest to work, and he's done that for the last 15 years. And he did so because they moved out to L.A. to chase their ambitions and entertainment, and they were struggling. And he was like, look, as a husband, father, somebody need to have a steady income in this household which I agree. I agree. So he joined the LAPD. Tabitha, for obvious reasons, did not like that her husband was going to work and putting his life on the line every day. So thanks in part to her husband's sacrifice for her dreams, she is now in a good place. She's making good money. She got good contracts. So she, so she announced that she was retiring her husband so that he could pursue his dreams. I think he wants to teach or coach or something of that nature. But she made this announcement on her Instagram. I watched the whole thing. Can I be honest with you? I saw it. I watched it. I love Tabitha because what's not to love? She's just a sweet and good woman who minds her business and fluffs her hair. I very much enjoy her. But I watched the video and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Like the idea of her essentially announcing to the world that she is the breadwinner for her family I was scared for her. I just know of too many situations. I mean, my personal one included where 
the, a woman is a breadwinner in a relationship and shit just goes south in a crazy embarrassing humiliating way like a lot of men cannot handle not necessarily not being the breadwinner but people knowing that they're not the breadwinner that it's that's two different things and so like I, I I watched the video and I was like oh no Tabitha like this doesn't end well not that she retired him but that she told people about it and let me just be real clear this is me projecting my shit onto Tabitha this ain't got nothing to do with Tabitha he sacrificed his dreams for her to live hers. Now that she has hers, she wants to make sure he gets his, which is how it's supposed to be. And at the same time, it triggered all of my shit and freaked me completely out. You know, it's funny. I said something the other day to my dad and I was like, yeah, like I've worked through all that stuff. Like I'm totally good again, blah, blah, blah. And my dad was like, mm. and I said, what does mean? Like, mm. and he was like, I mean, you're close. You're better than you were. You're almost there. And I was like, you don't think I'm there? Like, like I feel like I'm there. And he was like, no, you're not there. I said, what makes you say that? And he's like, listen to your podcast. I said, dad, you think like I still have like residual issues from that shit? Like it's been years. And he was like, I'm not saying that you haven't made progress. I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes some of the things you say, some of your perspectives, you know, it's, it's still a little, little, still a little something there, you know? And I was like, really, daddy? And he was like, yeah, really? Oh, like I thought I was good. He's like, mm-mm. <laughs> not, not 100%. <laughs> So Tabitha does this video and Wendy, who went through a very public divorce, Wendy is seen was triggered as well. Wendy got up on her show earlier today and she talked about Tabitha and Chance. And you know, Wendy ain't always the nicest person. Let's play a little of what Wendy had to say. It was, um, it was ungood. It ain't Wendy at her worst. But it's still, you know, let's play a little Wendy here. She's an influencer and she's saying that she's retiring her husband. I was married to one of those. You know, I make the money and so on and so forth. Go live your dreams, buy a business, you know, stay with me, but go, go, go. You see how that turned out. I predict that this marriage is going to be on real rocky ground in a moment live your dream then they invest in stuff and they lose the money and then they invest in something else and the money gets swindled or stolen i watched that wendy clip and i was like oh shit is this how i sound oh jesus christ i had to make an appointment with my therapist i was like uh i need to come back <laughs> i got some residual shit tabitha was damn near in happy tears as she was talking about this like she was really really excited and like wendy my first thought was like this doomsday scenario of how this was all going to implode. And I was like, yo, I need help. <laughs> I'm laughing. It's not funny because this looks crazy. Oh, I'm going to pray for me and Wendy. Tabitha, Tabitha had a five minute response to Wendy. She said she was sitting at home minding her business because that's what she likes to do. And she said her phone started blowing up and they said, and, and her friend said, girl, Wendy is talking about you on the show. So Tabitha had many words for Wendy and it's the nastiest, filthiest, most gutter read I've ever heard. There wasn't one F-bomb. There was absolutely no profanity whatsoever. Tabitha never raised her voice above her very signature. It's almost like a whisper talk, but she read Wendy for absolute filth. 
I mean, the short translation of it was like, my life ain't your life and bitch, you need to mind your business. But it was so, it was so classy. She said, Wendy, I'm going to pray for you because I know you must have so much hurt in your heart. Actually, let me just play you some. You need to go find this clip if you haven't seen the whole thing. Like it is. I'm sorry, I just clicked on the wrong Instagram page. One of my friends is looking like a whole snack. Sir, when did this happen? Sorry, 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 sorry. Let me go find Tabitha. I think she put it on her actual page. Yeah, she did. Hello, looking all pretty. Pause, sidebar. Who is doing the dentistry for this family? Because Tabitha, Chance, and Choice, their teeth are immaculate. Now, I got a good place out in Inglewood, a black-owned dentist and orthodontist situation. Like, they're both black women. I told you they play, like, Martin in a different world and living single on the TV while they're just, like, you know, fussing all in my mouth. And in, like, the waiting room, they play, like, the Isley Brothers and Anita Baker. It's a very black experience. I very much actually enjoy going to the orthodontist, which I'm supposed to get my braces off in a month from now. I'm so freaking excited. That's not the point. The point is, this family has some beautiful ass teeth. That's still not the point. The point is, this is what Tabitha had to say. A little bit of it, because it's five minutes and I ain't playing you five minutes of Tabitha. Love Tabitha. I ain't playing five minutes of Tabitha. Hold on. First of all, Wendy Williams, honey, God bless you. God bless you. Wendy, the pain you must be in to feel this way, and I'm so sorry. But listen, let me tell you this. Um, 23 years I've been with my husband. Yes, uh, broke for a very long time together. Struggled for a very long time together, succeeded for the last couple of years together. My husband took a job in agreement with me. He took a job 15 years ago to help support my dream. And I know you may not know what that looks like in a genuine uh, place, right? But this was an agreement that my husband and I had. And I told him 15 years ago, babe, in five years, I'll be able to take you out of there so then you can pursue one of your dreams that you love. Right now, I was his dog in the fight, okay? And he believed in me. And we did it together for the last 15 years. So this is my prayer for you. Uh, I pray that love finds you, true love. I pray it finds you and it holds you tight. I pray that someone will love you enough to see you, to see you when you are not well, to see you when you need true support, to see you when you need compassion, to see you when you need kindness. I pray that somebody loves you enough to sacrifice their life for you. I pray that type of love binds you so that you can understand why I don't want my husband to put his life on the line anymore wearing a bulletproof vest if he don't have to. I love him enough that I want him to be saved. Oh, I pray that somebody finds you, love finds you, that excites you the way I am excited about my husband being able to grow his business, being able to pour into children, continue to coach these kids, do other things he's dreamt about. Oh, honey, I pray this type of excitement and love finds you and anybody else who seems to not understand this. I pray that type of love finds you sacrifice, compassion, like I really do. I really, really do. Okay? And I want you, whoever is watching, who understands the type of love, 
let us all pray for people like Miss Wendy um, and others who have either been so hurt uh, or never found a genuine love that fills their heart with so much compassion and joy. Let us all pray that they find that and that it finds them. Yes, very good. Now, I want y'all to go about your business, okay, and have the most amazing day. But even if you can't have a good one, don't you dare go messing up nobody else's hand. God bless you. I'll talk to y'all later. Bye, y'all. Y'all, that's the nicest fuck you I've ever heard in my life. That's a classy lady. That's a classy lady. I owe Miss Tabitha... I owe Miss Tabitha an apology. I receive her prayers for the betterment of self and a good partner who is willing to sacrifice for me and do right by me. I receive that, Miss Tabitha. Thank you. Thank you. I needed that shit. Some of y'all did too. Don't leave me out here by myself. Some of y'all did too, damn it. And I'm gonna say this, and I mean it with good intent and nothing but sincerity. Please, Lord, don't let this man embarrass this woman because she just jumped out for him. Please, Lord, let him do right like he's supposed to. I, honest to genuine God, don't ever want a woman to go through what I did. I called one of my friends the other day. I was clowning. Uh, a mutual friend of ours had posted pictures from, I guess, a couple's dinner. There's like five couples in the picture. And one of them was my girl with a very nice-looking, brown, tall gentleman. And I was like, oh! I zoomed in. And I screenshotted it and I sent it to her. And the caption was, Harpo, 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 who is man? Because I'm goofy like that. So we had a whole kiki about it. And she was like, yo, D, like, I feel like this is my forever bay. I said, forever bay. I was like, girl, you talking that talk. She was like, Demetria, this is my Idris. Like, this is, this is me right here. And I was like, girl, I've known you for more than 15 years. I've seen many come and I've seen many go. I ain't never heard this kind of talk from you. And she was like, Demetria, I'm telling you, sis. She said, I had to get out my last bad relationship. And she's like, honestly, that was the easy part. But she said that she was so caught up with the, the negative situation she was in with her ex that even though they separated, she hadn't mentally and emotionally put herself in a better place. So she said she did her self-work. And she was like, and this man showed up. And he was fine and he was big and he was broad. And she was like, it's easy. Our shit just works. And I was like, girl, that sounds good. And she was like, yes, yes, it is. So then we had a whole long conversation because they haven't been on a vacation yet. And she wants to go on a vacation. So I was telling her about all these fabulous places. One of them that I'm headed to on like this odyssey. I've been stuck in this damn house for like ever in a day. I just need an adventure. But yes, there is love out there. I don't know if I'm ready for it just yet. I mean, I just told y'all I got some shit that I still need to work through. My daddy called me on it. A little more, a little more therapy for you. A little more self-work. Ah. Bear with me, y'all. I'm doing the best that I can. I am. Look at that. I watched Tabitha in her little calm-ass voice, and now I'm like, you know, it took me down a couple notches. That's some powerful shit. God bless her and her dentist orthodontist whoever is doing the teeth in that house because some good ass teeth okay so now we're going to talk about bill cosby so i told y'all i don't sit around and watch cnn like i used to when the occupant was in office like i know crazy shit still happens but i was like i can't i need to do something different with my life and i can't be like riled up and outraged like on 10 every day all day Maybe there was announcement on the news that there was a possibility of Cosby being freed, but that ish 
caught me totally off guard. I was like, no, this Cosby coming out, Cosby getting released from jail, not on my bingo card. Where did this come from? Like, did we know this was coming? I read about it on a friend's Facebook page and he didn't even say Bill Cosby. He was like, yo, I see my block button is going to get good use today. And I was like, wait, what's going on? So I headed over to Twitter and I was like, are you kidding me? 2018, Bill Cosby was convicted for sexual assault. Bill Cosby, years ago, gave a deposition where he admitted, drugged a woman at least, before having sex with her. And he gave that testimony with the promise of immunity and that it would not be used against him in a trial. My understanding of this story is... A different prosecutor, the one who prosecuted Bill Cosby in Philadelphia and got him convicted in 2018 for sexual assault, that prosecutor used information from that deposition to get that conviction. And Cosby and his lawyers appealed the case all the way up to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, and the court agreed that the second prosecutor who got the conviction acted inappropriately and that the conviction was going to be thrown out and Cosby was going to be immediately freed from jail. The prosecutor fucked up. There's no way around it. As much as it pains me to say releasing him was legally the right thing to do, but it pains me so that a man who has admitted to drugging and raping at least one woman, but has public accusations from 60 women accusing him of drugging and raping them, that this man, that this type of man is free among us. Like yesterday when I was talking about it online, like I kept, I kept saying, hey, hide your wife, hide your kids, watch your drink, because a rapist is on the loose. Legally, quote and unquote, the right thing to do was to let him go. But then morally, ethically, it's a rapist on the damn street. And then I'm also like, I mean, you know, the American justice system, it finds loopholes where it wants to find loopholes. The other day I was reading about some guy who's been serving like 25 years in Angola for like stealing three t-shirts, some crazy shit. And I'm like, y'all can't find a loophole for him? But you can find a loophole for Bill Cosby. Oh, okay. Bill Cosby's net worth is like $400 million, Which, by the way, is not enough to buy NBC. Comcast actually bought NBC. The deal went through in 2011. But in 2008, NBC was valued at $30 billion. $400 million USD dollars and dineros? Don't buy no $30 billion network. Ugh. I actually saw people yesterday celebrating that Bill Cosby was free, like the man ain't a whole rapist, denying that he was a rapist, although he has admitted under oath to drugging a woman, at least one. I'm saying a woman because I don't have the deposition in front of me. I'm erring on the side of caution. He's admitted to drugging at least one woman and then having sex with her, which is rape because she can't give consent if she's drugged. You can Google this, like Google Bill Cosby admits to drugging women. Like a whole list of reputable news sites will come up in your feed. 
And then people were back on that. Yeah, they only went after him in the first place because he was trying to buy NBC. Y'all niggas really think that shit? Really? Y'all really believe that? That you'll actually use it as an excuse? Cosby, with his $400 million, buying a $30 billion company is plausible to you. But 60 women accusing the same man of drugging and raping them in the exact same manner over a period of decades, that's not plausible. People went after him because he was trying to buy NBC. Not because he was a raping rapist who raped. That's impossible. I, oh, Lord Jesus. Like, I was raging about this yesterday. And someone asked me, they were like, you seem really triggered by this. I am. I absolutely am. And my question is, why aren't more people triggered by this? A rapist is on the loose. That doesn't trigger you? I saw this other woman. She was like, well, he's 83 years old and he's old now and he's sickly and he shouldn't die in jail. He also shouldn't have raped them women. That's some shit he should have thought about when he was raping people. Damn, I'm gonna be old one day. I ain't trying to die in jail. I should stop raping. I never should have raped to begin with. Jesus. So that happened in the morning. Felicia Rashad... I don't know what the fuck she was thinking. She jumped out with a tweet, excited. Let me pull up the tweet, because I don't want to misquote her. She jumped out with this tweet, excited. She tweeted, finally, a terrible wrong is being righted. A miscarriage of justice is corrected. Now, the way that's phrased to me, it doesn't sound like she's referring to the prosecutor using testimony that Cosby was supposed to have immunity for. That's not what that reads like to me. Finally, a terrible wrong is being righted. A miscarriage of justice is corrected. That sounds to me like she's excited that Cosby is getting out of jail. The terrible wrong sounds to me like his conviction his being, is being righted. Sounds like to me, his freedom, a miscarriage of justice is corrected. That reads to me, like he never should have been in there. Finally, is in all caps with four exclamation points. This is what the new dean of the College of Fine Arts for Howard University tweeted. She eventually turned off her comments because she was getting so much heat, for which I think should be obvious reasons because like, damn lady, you're supporting, you're supporting a man who again has admitted, maybe with immunity, but admitted nonetheless, to drugging and raping a woman. 60 women have come forward and accused him of the same shit over decades. This is really the person you want to support publicly? And to some degree, I get her point of view. Her life was changed being on The Cosby Show. She is friends with Bill Cosby. They've done at least two shows together as husband and wife. She has made millions off of that program. Bill Cosby was at her wedding. As a matter of fact, he walked her down the aisle and gave her away. You know, O.J. Simpson was Ahmad Rashad's best man. And then Debbie Allen standing up there looking like, why the fuck am I here? That's a whole nother story. But she and Cosby are very close. And to some degree, I get it. I have a couple guy friends in my life who are amazing humans. If someone came to me and said, this person sexually assaulted me or this person beat me, it would be really hard for me to reconcile 
that the person that I know so, so well, who's been so good to me and so kind to me, it would really like rock my foundation. It would be very, very hard for me to reconcile that this person that I know so well is capable of doing something so terrible. But you also know, because we've talked about this before, I don't put shit past no man. And maybe that's, again, you know, I got some trauma and some triggers seeping out here, but I've just seen way too many women jump out to defend men. He would never. He's not that type of person. I know him so well. Never, ever. Only to find out he did that shit. I don't ever want to be in that position. But I do see how Felicia Rashad could have blinders on to some degree when it comes to Cosby. The 60 women situation, I'd be like, okay, now look. Now, one woman came to me and said something. That's a he said, she said, I don't know. I, you know, I'm skeptical. I don't know what to think. I'm confused. Like that, I get. 60 people come to me and say, your boy did this shit. He did that shit. Even, even if half of them are lying, you did that shit. Because that's still 30 people accusing you of the same shit. To some degree. The number 60 is a lot. But I see how like someone's done so much for you. They've changed your life. They helped you build a legacy. I get it. I get how that could be complicated. What I don't get is what in the hell made Felicia Rashad tweet that? Because she's been through this before. This is the second time she stood up publicly for Cosby. The last time she did it, she said something about like, forget those women. She was very dismissive of the women who were accusing Cosby of rape. It was, it was a scandal at the time. But you knew what that backlash was because you've been through it before. You did it before. And you got the backlash for it before. And because you had so much goodwill as Claire Huxtable and other roles where you've played the mother over the years, people love you playing like the dignified black mom. It's like your thing. People loved her in the Drake video. But it's like you did this terrible thing you had enough goodwill banked that people wanted to give you the, oh, you know, she's older. She may not understand. It's a different generation. Like people made excuses for you because that's how much they love you. You had to build back up your goodwill in Creed movies and Drake videos. I'm just saying on This Is Us, we accepted you back because we love you. We thought, okay, you know what? You're not canceled. You made a mistake. Okay, just, just let's put the whole thing behind us. Clearly you've moved on. You haven't said anything else. You've been acting right. Let's just all forget the whole thing happened. Let's, let's just move on. And then you do this shit again. And you do it again while you're the dean of a university who's had its own pu very public battles with the way that it's handled sexual assault. Your job was supposed to start July 1st. Did she report to work today? I'm not sure. Because Rashad, she put out that first tweet in the morning and then she came back with a follow-up tweet doing damage control she said, quote, I fully support survivors of sexual assault coming forward. My post was in no way intended to be insensitive to their truth. Personally, I know from friends and family that such abuse has lifelong residual effects. My heartfelt wish is for healing. Mm. Howard stayed quiet for most of the day and people were speculating like, well, what is Howard going to say? Because in all of these news stories that were quoting Rashad, they were noting, who was recently appointed to the Dean of the School of Fine Arts at Howard University, at Howard University, at Howard University. I was like, look, the poor comms director and the president at Howard University, not on the bingo card. They did not wake up Wednesday morning expecting this shit. Even when they heard Cosby was free, I'm sure they were like, ooh, that's interesting. I would love to hear that office conversation. It never will happen. But I'm sure they didn't foresee Felicia Rashad tweeting some shit. Every major publication picking it up and then affiliating Howard University with this fuckery and foolishness. Comms director, I feel bad. I hope they got some sun earlier in the day because it was supposed to be a light day. 
I hope they were working from home. Heard it was a little hot on the East Coast yesterday. Hope they got some time to enjoy the day. But Howard University came out with a statement. Survivors of sexual assault will always be our priority. While Dean Rashad has acknowledged in her follow-up tweet that victims must be heard and believed, her initial tweet lacked sensitivity towards survivors of sexual assault. Personal positions of university leadership do not reflect Howard University's policies. We will continue to advocate for survivors fully and support their rights to be heard. Howard will stand with survivors and challenge systems that would deny them justice. We have full confidence that our faculty and school leadership will live up to this sacred commitment. Now, in her favor, they did call her Dean Rashad. That's a good sign. Publicly throwing her under the bus by noting that her initial tweet lacked sensitivity? I don't know. I don't know. But I will say this. I'm not a student at Howard University, although 50 million people think I went to Howard. It's one of the reasons I keep saying I went to Maryland and NYU. I did not go to Howard, even though all my friends did. Even though I, like, you know, I teach in the B school once a semester. Shameless plug. I'm going to ride with the students on this one. Whatever the HU students think is, is the right course of action. If they think Dean Rashad should stay, I'm with it. And if they think Dean Rashad should go, I'm with that too. They are young adults. I have consistently known Howard students for the last 20 years since my friends were attending to be smart and capable and able and also vocal, very, very vocal. So they will tell us what they want to do and they will tell us what they need. Um, it is our job as the elders. I kind of actually like this position now. It is their job to figure out what they want to do and inform the elders how we can help them and how we can support them. So if they say she go, she go. They say she stays, it's y'all's campus. Y'all make that call. <sighs> what else? Because there's so much more. Janet Hubert, OG Aunt Viv, she entered the chat. So yesterday when the internet is, you know, arguing and self-imploding, Janet Huber tweeted, <laughs> using a meme of herself looking sideways, she said, Felicia, what are you thinking? I don't know you, but to say this was terribly wrong. Everyone knew what he was doing back then. How could you not? Get your umbrella, sister. Here comes the shit shower. I am outraged that he has been released. Yes, he is an old, ugly, guilty man. I would have said he's old, he's out, and I'm happy for him, but he's still guilty. I know five women who have not come forward. Enough, y'all. We know better. Powerful men do wrong things, black and white. OG Aunt Viv, a.k.a. Janet Hubert. I've enjoyed her so much more now that she's focused her, because she got a mouth on her. I'll give her that. She used to direct it. I don't want to say this in a PC way, because I want to move on. To say this, she got a mouth on her. I'm glad that she's using it for better purposes these days. I'd like to hear more from her. We need people who are outspoken and just call a thing a thing. I have something here that just has a B on it, and I have no idea what the B stands for. We talked about Felicia Rashad. I have no idea what this B stands for. Oh, okay. One thing we didn't talk about. I'm all out of order, but this is worthwhile. This is actually really worth a while. Of all the things that happened on Wednesday, Bismarcky, Nicole Hannah-Jones gets tenure, Bill Cosby, Janet Huber, HU's response, 
people talking about Bill Cosby was trying to buy NBC. All of that happened. And in addition, Donald Rumsfeld died. You remember Donald Rumsfeld. He was the former Secretary of Defense. He, was, he did it twice. He was under G.W. Bush. He was also a Secretary of Defense under Gerald Ford. I mean, he was in like big white news and political circles, but like, but the people who were talking, talking online were mostly talking about Cosby yesterday and to a lesser degree, Nicole Hannah-Jones. But Donald Rumsfeld did die and Rachel Maddow, my mother loves Rachel Maddow. I don't really watch her like that. And I like her too, but I'm more of a CNN person. But Rachel Maddow opened her show yesterday talking about Frederick Douglass. And I was like, Rachel girl, where are we going, sweetie? I don't, I'm unclear. I'm, I'm not familiar with where you're headed. I'm a little, I'm, should I be nervous? And Rachel always has a point. It might be roundabout, but when she gets there, she gets there. I was confused about where she was going. So I'm not gonna read the whole thing because it's really long. But if you Google Rachel Maddow, Frederick Douglass, a transcript of her Wednesday show should come up. So Rachel starts the show. She starts talking about 1845, Frederick Douglass, the abolitionist, and his first book, Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, an American Slave. And she particularly speaks about this one chapter when Frederick Douglass is sent to a man named Edward Covey. Edward Covey was known for his ability to, quote and unquote, break slaves. And Frederick Douglass gives this harrowing account of his time, nearly nine months, living on Covey's property as an enslaved person. And he talks about like what a horrible experience that it was for him. And this house, this house came to be known as Mount Misery. He lived there for a year. He describes his time there as, I was completely wrecked, changed and bewildered, goaded almost to madness at one time and at another reconciling myself to my wretched condition. I suffered bodily as well as mentally. Douglas goes on to say that his time at Edward Covey's farm was the lowest period in his life, which imagine you're an enslaved person who's been beat at every plantation you've been on. You get to this place and you describe it as the lowest, as the lowest period of your life. Understand how completely awful and violent that must have been. Rachel gives this whole account from Frederick Douglass. She, inv- she asked the audience to circle back for a minute. And she said, remember that Douglass de- describes this farm as being on the far side of Chesapeake Bay because of its age and probably because of the horrors that happened there at one point was up for preservation. These things happen there. This place is very old and this is why it needs to be a public site and we can acknowledge the horrors and atrocities that happened here that said that there was an article in the Baltimore Sun that said as much. However, the estate was not preserved. In 2006, It was purchased by Donald Rumsfeld. And Rachel points out, the house is still called Mount Misery today. That's still the name by which it is known. So it's very clear of the atrocities that happened in this house. And of all the places in all the land that Donald Rumsfeld could have chosen to live on, this is the house he chose. 
Rachel goes on to talk about some of Donald Rumsfeld's worst atrocities, including getting the United States into wars with Iraq and I believe Afghanistan. He was also the Secretary of Defense on 9-11. You know what else he did? Remember the Abu Ghraib prison scandal where a group of American prison guards were torturing prisoners in U.S. custody? Like they were doing crazy shit, like making everybody get naked and making them like pile up on the floor in a pyramid. Like real sick shit that like would never cross my mind. Like what is wrong with you people? Rachel talks about a memo that was sent to Rumsfeld at the time and it was actual orders for torture. And it was actual orders for torture. And in one of the memos, someone had written to him that they were doing things like forcing the prisoners to stand for hours at a time, like four hours at a time. And Rumsfeld hand wrote in the margin, I stand for eight to 10 hours a day. Why is their standing limited to four hours? By, and Rachel explains, quote, by which he meant, why aren't they forcing these prisoners to stand for even longer? This doesn't seem harsh enough. This is the type of person, out of all the places to purchase, went and purchased a place known as Mount Misery. I feel like some people would be like, ooh, it's probably a lot of death, a lot of torture, a lot of ghosts haunting this situation. I don't want to live in this bad energy. Donald Rumsfeld moved right in. Quite happy there. That's, that's a sick mofo. Good riddance. Good riddance. So that is the episode this week. Actually, it's not. I've got two more things. The Essence Festival Versus hadn't started when I first started recording this episode, but it has come and gone since then. I saw Bobby Brown and I saw Keith Sweat. Keith Sweat, I think, has been touring all of this time. He's in great condition. He sounds good. He looks good. He moves well. I was looking at Keith Sweat and like never ever have I looked at Keith Sweat and been like, hmm. But I was like, oh, he's very nice looking, very agile, very spry upon the stage. And I thought Keith Sweat, I was like, you know, he looks great, full stop. And he's what, like 50? He looks great at 50. And then I looked up his age because I feel like Keith Sweat wasn't like young grown when I was like young. I feel like he was grown grown. I was like, how old is Keith Sweat? Sir is a whole 59 years old looking like that. I was like, sir, you have been drinking your water and getting your rest. He looks good. Bobby, Bobby's had a hard life. As my friend said, Bobby looks like what he's been through. And I'm going to just leave it at that. I'm glad Bobby's still here. But it was, it was good energy. It was like an uncle fest. I was like, somebody give them a card table, some dominoes. But that was a good versus. It was like 325,000 people on the versus Instagram. Hmm. I also just saw this news story about Shikari Richardson. You know, I beloved Shikari. We've talked about her many times. She recently qualified for the Olympics in track. She has orange hair and lashes and long nails. And her biological mother had just passed away. And after her race, she ran into the stands and she fell all over her grandmother. And, and many folks just, you know, fell in love with her when they heard her story. And they saw the love between she and her grandmother that touched a lot of hearts. Unfortunately, she may be disqualified for the Olympics. She tested positive for weed. I can't talk about it yet because I'm, I'm in angry mom mode. I feel like I'm reacting probably like one of my parents, to be quite honest with you. Like, you did what? You did what? That's not the energy she needs right now. She's taking a pretty bad beating for not meeting folks' expectations. The whole world is having a Tyra yell at her, the, we were rooting for you. She made a bad decision. 
which I'm going to skip it until I can have a a better perspective. Because right now I'm just like stunned. Like, I, I can't believe you did that, sweetheart. But you're 21. And part of 21 is making confusing, baffling, piss poor decisions. Girl, I hope it works out for her though. She's immensely talented. She's got a lot going on in her life. There's some question as to whether she'll be able to compete in the 100 meter, but even with a 30-day ban, she may be able to compete in relays. So I hope that she's able to, to do that. She's 21. I just got to keep repeating that. She's 21, and she's not my kid. So I wish her the best. That's everything. Still not everything. You know what I didn't talk about with Cosby? Where's Camille? I wonder what Camille's reaction to this whole thing is. And I only say that because... I know some older women, and it's a slightly different situation, but their husbands were how their husbands were. But they may have been good providers. Their husbands pass away. The wife gets control of the money, the estate, for the first time in maybe 50, 60 years of her life. She's not accountable to anyone. She doesn't have to converse. She doesn't have to negotiate. She can just, you know, do what she wants to do without worrying about somebody else's dinner and somebody else's needs. Not to say that the women I'm speaking of didn't love their husbands, but husbands can be a lot sometimes. Even happily married women will tell you that. They kind of enjoy, you know, being single and unaccountable. So I just kind of wonder, like, what Camille Cosby's reaction to all of this is. Like, was she chilling, living her best life with complete control of the estate and access to all the money? Did she have a 50-year-old, you know, friend? Because her husband was likely going to die in jail. And then all of a sudden you get a call like, hey, he's coming home. That's a shock. I started watching this show on Netflix. Actually, it was originally on NBC called Manifest. And it's about this plane that goes missing for five years. So this woman thinks her husband is dead. And then all of a sudden she gets a call like, hey, the plane, we found it. And your husband is alive. And she's like, wait, what? Because it's been five years. She thought the man was dead. She moved on had a whole another relationship, maybe pregnant by the new dude. But I wonder if like, I wonder what Camille Cosby's reaction to Bill getting out was. Like, was she excited? Or was she like, what the fuck? You fucking up everything. I don't know. Okay, now that's everything. If you need some ratchet and respectable in your life, please follow me on Twitter, Facebook, if I'm not banned. And Instagram, at Demetria L. Lucas. If you haven't picked up your merch for Don't Waste Your Pretty, it is available on DemetriaLLucas.com. I'm taking a whole bunch of those tees with me on my Odyssey because I'm spending part of my trip in nothing but a t-shirt and bikini bottoms with a shot of tequila in my hand. That's, that's what I'm wearing for about a week. I can't wait. So yeah, is that everything? Probably not. What I missed today, we'll talk about next week. All right. Talk soon. Bye.